Hi, welcome to the Av Church Podcast, where we talk about faith and real-life issues. We hope this challenges you to think a little bit deeper and encourages you on your journey through life. We're happy you joined us today. Now let's get talking. Hi, welcome to the Still Loading Podcast. We are here with our friends, Jake. Yo! Raina. Hello! And Jared. I broke my Apple Watch. Oh, Jared broke his <coughs> Apple Watch today. He was late. And was late. That's supposedly why he was late. He couldn't tell. He couldn't tell time. <laughs> it's okay oh. when you break a three hundred dollar device. It's okay to be late, and if you don't agree, that's fine. Just stop watching <laughs> or listening. Yeah, was that was that a flex? I don't. Dang. I'm, I'm just saying, dude. It. Anyways, if you don't get ex- upset, oh. it's it's kind of a little weird. Yeah. No, I you would should be get upset. upset. It. Yeah, I would be upset. Anyways, I'm hurt. Uh, <laughs> I'm Me hurt too. for you, dude. Um, today we're gonna be talking about money, sex, and faith. So let's just go ahead and dive right into it, yeah? Spicy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the, yeah, these are money in the church, money in Jesus, money in God's always like, whoa, like what are you talking about? What do you mean talking about these two things together, you know? And so one of the first things that notes that I have or questions that I have is uh, why do people think that church or God is all about money? Um or why do people think the church is just all about money, which in turn leads them to believe that God is all about money. That's what he wants. And it's just a scheme. It's a scam. It's that's what, that's what's going on. So let's hear some thoughts. Anyone? I mean, the first thing that popped into my mind is they, a lot of people probably think that because it's true in some in some churches like that's definitely happened before especially i feel like in earlier church or even now i think i think you have televangelists you have people Mm -hmm. that are broadcast to millions of people and that's what they that's what the majority of people see Mm -hmm. majority people don't see the 50 person church the you know 150 200 300 people church they see these massive churches and these clowns with private jets yes they're yeah. clowns absolute buffoons yep. i say that with no remorse um and so they go oh they just want your money they just want nice things they just want it's like honestly you guys are i'm gonna go there but you guys ever uh follow that preachers and sneakers account yeah <clears throat> yes i do too i actually really like it it's it's i like it too what but- is it explain it it's basically this, uh, he gets photos of preachers and like shows whatever like, sneakers oh, they're wearing and, and sneakers. puts like the prices next to them. Expensive. Yes. Some and of then, them are. To me, that is like a load of BS. I cannot see how someone justifies that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm okay being wrong if someone can tell me why that's okay, like a thing, but as of now, I just can't understand why. I don't know. I, th- I think if you are living within your means and you can afford it and it's something you like, that's fine. I actually want one day just to make like my own fake one. So I want to go up and preach and have like me wearing my Yeezys and just want to like put that up there just for fun. Yeezys are what? Two, three hundred bucks? Uh, it depends on which ones. Okay. It depends. I'm talking these dudes like in Gucci slippers. Or wearing like, like the uh, four G's for a pair of shoes. Yeah. I forgot like the some of those and you never Nike again. dunks. Like it's the, one time. Yeah, it's one time. The $1,500 ones that are big right now. I can't remember. I have to, I should have asked Robert or something, but... Can you imagine like Jesus walking around in a pair of Gucci slides just like <laughs> no what never in a million years if I was part of Jesus ministry I would support him with Gucci slides I would tie that much I mean yeah okay <laughs> I don't know 
But back to the question is I think people think that because like those are the things that a lot of people see. Yeah. You, know? yeah. you don't see the humble preacher who or pastor or church that's just doing their thing and serving their community. That doesn't get broadcast very often. Yeah, so. people definitely they see they see that on TV or even even if you listen to like a popular uh pastor in their podcast, they'll you'll hear the beginning or the end. If you, you know, like the podcast, support our ministry and you can go to the, our website and stuff like that. So I feel like people think that church is always just, we need, you know, Mr. Krabs. It's just money, 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 money. But I mean, even take our home church, for example, New Beginnings. Like at first when I was young, a little bit younger, especially when I was younger in my faith, but when I was physically younger, I thought, what does the church need money for? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, you know, like pastor needs somewhere to live. I mean, some pastors for a long time have to work a full-time job and be a full-time pastor. But as churches grow, pastors need money. The staff needs money. That's their full-time job. Um, who do you think pays the lights, the water, all that? Like they, it comes from somewhere. It's basically a nonprofit. We need to support it. But uh, yeah, I mean, people don't get that. I think nobody really thinks who's paying for all this stuff. It's like the church. And if you are part of the church, you should be paying for some of it. If you can't give thousands of thousands or maybe it's within your means, just tithe. Do your 10%. It's really not that much. Well, I think one thing that's like uh, stand out to me is, so there's there's this like idea that faith and your spirit doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because even on the, on the out, outward like look of things, um, the soul is so important and this taking care of your soul is so important. Gathering with people is so important. And as a believer, and I even think some believers don't even think about it, but just doing those things is so important to your spiritual health. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's a health that like lasts beyond how long this body's going to be living. You know what I mean? So hearing a word, worshiping together in and of itself is amazing and great. And uh, outside of that, there's, of course, like local outreach globally, <laughs> um, how you're investing in the community around you on a month to month basis, things like that. And like Jared said, yeah, um, it doesn't just happen. And mm-hmm. what, cause a church is just a nonprofit, you know what I mean? All nonprofits do have staffers and stuff, but they're not here to gain profit. You know, they're, they're here just like churches and uh, not all of them, like Raina said earlier, but to continue pushing the movement forward, but not here to be like, Oh, I'm, I want to make this much money. Yeah. But then like Jake said, you, you have these people who, um, it they have a huge congregation or something, and they're starting to dress in Gucci flip flops, and doing weird stuff like that. And to some, it's not weird, obviously, because they're doing it, you know. And I think that it was like that same type of deal that kind of set the American church on the trajectory that it's on, where it's like people think you have to have a bigger church now. So pastors in their minds need to grow their church. They have to grow it. They have to get more people. They have to. And if they don't, then they're failing. And it's like, that's not true. It's just not true. It's like this weird standard of success is like how big your church is, whatever you guys can afford the building or whatever it is. Like that's not a standard of success in the church. I don't see that in the Bible anywhere, you know? And I just don't know how we got to that. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't understand how we got there, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it came from a good place. I think originally all times that people want to grow their church, it's because they want to see soul saved, mm-hmm. see soul saved. Um, <laughs> they want to bring people up and the more the church is growing, they're like, oh, there's more people coming to Christ. Yeah. But I think what people need to realize too is like church is not just this thing where 
we're catching a bunch of fish. We're catching and catching and catching, and then we're just storing them all there. Church should be like a revolving door. It should be you bring people in, you teach them up and disciple and mentor them, and then you send them out. You bring them in, and it's a, it's a cyclical pattern, in and out, in and out. That's what your church should be because when you're bringing people up, cool, Jake's ready, you know, Rain is ready, Dylan's ready. All right, cool. Now go into the world. They've had all this time to be fostered and mentored. Now it's time for them to bring up their own. Maybe church start. Maybe it's in a house, in a backyard. Maybe it's in a, a stadium one day. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I was also thinking, like, maybe some people also just don't, like you said, you didn't understand tithing and like where all the money went. Maybe some people don't know or understand that it's actually biblical and that God asks us to do that. And not only is it something that we help out the church with, but it's it's like a, a form of worship to the Lord. And it's like part of your relationship with him is saying that this thing that everyone cares about so much, finances and money, I am sacrificing to you. And I know that it belongs to you. And I think a lot of people don't know that. And they just think, oh, why would I worship the church and give them my money? But really, it's a form of worship to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Something that even um, got brought up to me is there's like build projects in church or there's this like um, outside the walls type of thing or this community thing that's like, hey, let's all get together and put our funds towards this, you know? And when you give it, I guess, like a face or a specific thing, they know when I give to this, it's going specifically to that, Mm -hmm. you know, where I think on the week to week basis or a month to month where it's just like, oh, we're just tithing um granted if you have a building it goes to like oh air conditioning um the staffing um things like of that nature eventually that i feel like that gets kind of like tiring because you want to see like wait where is this money helping people where is this money going outside of these walls or doing anything like this and um that's something that i think is super cool of sandals church if you go on their website they have like literal their entire audit like breakdown every year yeah. of where everything that's goes. That's really cool. And that's yeah, that's super <clears throat> cool to me. I go I was just say I feel like a lot of churches like they can't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just feel like they can't and do it and justify some of it. Not all, not probably not even most, mm-hmm. but I feel like there are a lot that it's like, ooh, we probably shouldn't do that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And I get it. But I think you're I think you're spot on the transparency of like if I'm going to give my money, I understand, like you said, Reina, that part of it's my obligation to God. Like my, you know, I wouldn't even, I shouldn't even say obligation, but it's part of it's in my worship to God. The other part of it is because I believe in this place where I, you know, I'm seeing people's lives change and I'm seeing <laughs> things done in the community. But um, what I was going to say really quick, sorry, is I heard someone say it like people think that God is desperately like in need of your tithe and he's it's like that's so silly to think that god's like can't do anything funds are low this <laughs> this week without <laughs> your 10 percent. oh man he didn't give his 10 i'm not gonna be able to do it this year uh-huh. like god's not he doesn't need your money at all so then you go okay well then why do i tithe mm-hmm. and if i ask if i ask myself that question and i understand that god doesn't need it then i go okay so probably it's for me why do i tithe and then you kind of do some research, not research, but like, um, 
what's the word? Uh, like your own experience, you find that what tithing does is it softens your own heart. You know, mm-hmm. it's not for God; it's for you. God can do just fine without tithing. Yeah. But you know, to be able to soften your heart and to let your grip go, you know, I think that's to me that's kind of the main crux of it all. Is like it's for you; it's not for God. Yeah. You know? It's this idea that um, generos of generosity, right? Mm-hmm. This idea of like you said, let go of the grip. It's it's just another thing in our lives that God wants to have a part in mm-hmm. because he He understands better than anybody that greed and like if you're holding on to something, you think you need this, um, that's going to lead you down a path where you'll never be sustained inside. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, because you always be wanting more, 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 more. But if your culture, if your attitude towards generosity is like, yeah, that's totally cool. I'm, I'm a generous person. I give this and i don't just give it like you said as an obligation but because it's like part of who i am i want to be this person then the idea of being generous isn't so like wait a minute wait a minute what like i can't no 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 no. like let me check my bank account (laughs) you know what i mean like like, let me check that thing and jesus it was like the most generous person of all because he gave his life for ours you know he bought us with the price and he gave everything and in return he's just like hey i want everything of yours and he's not even saying in monetary in in money talks it's like if he doesn't want all of it he's just like just to make sure that i'm like still sitting on the throne of your entire life mm-hmm. i just give a little portion right here you know be generous yeah. let that be your nature not an obligation like you're saying and <clears throat> yeah i read this thing that said um like the more that the gospel captures your heart and captures who you are like the less you'll be asking like, how much money do I got to give? How much money? And the more you'll be asking like, how can I give? You know, Mm -hmm. how can I be generous? How can I um, be somebody who lives that out in my everyday life? Yeah. Let me ask you this. Do it. All of you. Do it. You hear people talk, I've heard people talk about this for a a couple of years now. I've kind of been trying to think on this, but you hear people say like, well, can my tithe, what's, you know, giving to God, what is God's? Can I, my tithe be me donating to a missionary? Can it be me uh, giving to a homeless person as part of like my offering, my generosity? Could it be? Or does it have to go to the church? I think in... Because if the, if, sorry, if the church is the church, then it's not a building, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it just goes back to... Um, in Leviticus, he talks about like offering up everything to the Lord, like a 10% of your stuff to the Lord, right? And that's Old Testament. And I know a lot of people will be like, yeah, Old Testament. <laughs> nah. Yeah, the Old Testament was a, like abolished. That's, you don't got to listen to that anymore. But um, we go to Jesus in Luke and the Pharisees are trying to like trap him. And oh my gosh. He says, he says, don't neglect the tithe. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. He says, he says he says, yes, give your 10%. Of course do that. That's like not a question. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it just kind of like we talked about earlier, out of more out of obligation or more out of like, look at me, I'm mm-hmm. doing what's right. Yeah, I have a hungry person right here next mm-hmm. to me and I'm not doing anything for that. It's like he's saying the same. He's saying, don't even bother. Like, what are mm-hmm. you even doing? You're just tithing. You're just being ge- generous in quotes, you mm-hmm. know to show people that you're doing like what's required of you yeah. mm-hmm. yet you're negating the issues and the things in all around you. It's like there's a homeless person right next to us and you and I are talking about like, 
Should I do I still have to give the church my money? Yeah, how much we're talking about how much we're tithing, how generous we are. And this guy's looking at us like back and forth, like, what? I'm yeah. right here. I need some help. <laughs> you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think in just going back to it being like part of your nature, I think in terms of that, if you are okay offering uh tithing what is required of us to tithe and not doing it just to be like, hey, look at me that creates that generous nature. And in turn, when you see somebody who's hungry, it, you're not like, oh, I don't know if I could do that mm-hmm. because it's already built in you to be generous, right? Right. But someone could be generous without giving to the church. Yeah. You know? I've just been, I, I'm, not, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit because it's something I've been thinking about for a while of mm-hmm. like, I mean, if the idea is to, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like me saying giving Raina ten dollars and saying Raina, can you give that to jared mm-hmm. but i could just hand it to jared mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. but if it goes through here then it's considered my tithe mm-hmm. and i'm like i don't know to me i'm like well i could just give this to jared mm-hmm. well i think in a perfect world if we all live like that this entire earth would be a million times better you know what i mean mm-hmm. well, yeah of course but i'm it, dreaming a little bit but it takes a group of people right under the same thing because say um Say four of us represent like a thousand people each. I am about um, homelessness. Raina's about foster kids. You're about single moms helping them out. And Jared's about like cleaning up the streets type of stuff where on our own, it's like, yes, we could do big things. But if we came together and we're like, we're going to focus on all these things together as a whole, we could do even bigger things. Because look, I'm like getting a little bit of your like, you're about whatever I said you were. And I'm about um, homelessness, and it's like, oh, we're, I'm learning more about that. You're learning more about this, and I see, I see, in, I see. In turn, we're like unifying as a whole and reaching out further than we could just in our own individual. This is a hard topic for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, mm-hmm. I, I wrestle with this a lot because because I hear that, like when I hear that, I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then I'm like, you know. But a lot of that money's going to like lights and sound equipment and things like that. I'm like, but there's people. Like, what about people? I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm just saying it's something that I wrestle with a lot of like, I don't know. I don't I don't know what I think fully about it. I don't know. I I fully support like tithing, me personally. Yeah. But just even thinking about it, like so we even brought up the old testament. Tithing is something from the old testament. And Jesus he addresses tithe kind of, but he says more so to give generously. So I want to take it even further. Like, is tithing even necessary? Is it something good that we practice? Is it just a regular form of worship? Or is it something that should be mandatory as far as a Christian? Should Do you think that you have to tithe? Are you asking me? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I, I I really want to know your guys' opinion because I know how I feel. I, I think a Christian should tithe. Sure. But however, like I said, do I think it's like mandatory? Uh... Let's talk about that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I, we're, this is the spicy episode. Let's get spicy. I think because I'm in the same boat as you, Jerry, where mm-hmm. um, to me, tithing is just a command. Like that's something that Jesus commanded, that it's commanded in the Old Testament too. And that's something that I'm like, okay, that's a command. But now it's on me, just like we're talking about. Jesus says, give your 10%. Yes. And he almost says it kind of in that regard, like, of course, yeah, you're supposed to do that, of course. But why are you neglecting what else is out here? You know what I mean? And I think it goes back even further to when we create 
uh, that nature of generosity and the giving of tithe is just to help lift those, I guess, the grip, like you talked about, um, like to loosen your grip. When you're able to do that, you'll notice ways that you could be even more generous mm-hmm. because money isn't ruling over you. And instead, you're ruling over money and letting God have a um, place on that throne above that, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought with your question, I think neither one is wrong. I think, yes, we are commanded to tithe. I don't think, I think if you're like, well, what if I wanted to tithe to a homeless person or what if I wanted to tithe to my church? I don't think either is wrong. And I think at that point, you're kind of like focusing too much on the rules and regulations when really it's your heart and your willingness to give that Jesus cares about. Mm-hmm. you know yeah. rather than like well is this wrong or is this wrong it's like <laughs> yeah. just uh, give yeah and i i agree with that i agree with that but i think there's some like uh maybe christians or churches that like don't agree with that which is i mean it's fine yeah, i don't sure. think but because I, I my i heard someone pose the question like this they said okay in your lifetime let's say you just for the lack of just for example let's say you gave you had a hundred thousand dollars one person gave it to the church one person gave a hundred thousand to causes and missions and things like that. Where is Jesus in that? Is he like like this one better than this one? Does he like this one better than this one? Mm-hmm. You know? I think it's your heart. I think still. I think you're right. I think it is your heart. I absolutely agree with that. Um, and I think you're right. It kind of gets into that, in my opinion, that like kind of legalistic sense of like, no, it must be done like this. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't know. I guess in my opinion, I don't think that's the case. That which part's not the case. I don't think it has to be done one specific way. I don't. I think the heart of generosity is the heart of generosity, and I think that, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, the giving to the church is great, especially if it's a church you really believe in that's been helpful to your life and like beneficial to your life, and you see that or they're doing great things. Yeah, by all means. Um, but I also think the person that is you know a follower of Christ that's like giving to missions and and maybe supporting people that are overseas or supporting people that are here or, or, you know, whatever it may be. I feel like those people, God, in my opinion, God's just as happy and pleased with that, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm not arguing with that. Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, in talking about just generosity and giving and people who are in the fields, I think it's not often and I'll sit like this is kind of a mean thing to say probably to me, but it's not often that I see Christians who are taking it upon themselves to like find and locate the where the needs are, you know, and being like, oh, I'm going to carry this out, you know, because job gets in the way, um, family might get in the way, and whatever it is, you know, and some of them are not even bad things like, oh, your family is obviously a good thing, like take care of your family. But I think a lot of times we in doing it on our own or it's like, some people can do it. Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm, you're super generous. You take it upon yourself to make sure you find the places every week or every month or whatever it may be. But not a lot of people are like that. So that's why it's important to, like you said, find the place that's like, oh, they're doing cool stuff. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, because then one, it gives you, I guess, that routine where it's like, I'm, I'm, I can give routinely and like know what I'm doing, but still on my own, like Jesus said, don't neglect like what's around you, you know, but not a lot of people, I think, aside from their, um, job, kids, family, whatever, take it upon themselves to, I'm going to go drive around for a few hours right now and make sure I feed 10 people, 
you know? Yeah. And so it's it's but man, would that be nice? It would be yeah, it would be amazing. But um But who is actually doing that? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then so um in your giving and stuff, it just helps you to be more generous and more uh on the ball with those things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I I think everything I agree with everything that was said. We should even the whole thing about giving, like giving directly to the source. Like, yeah, if you go out, I don't know. I, I don't, maybe this is wrong to say. I have a hard time giving people who are, you know, homeless money just because my experiences with stuff, mm-hmm. um, with life in general. But I think, yeah, you should be giving. And sometimes I even think like, oh, well, maybe you feel very passionate about a certain cause. I don't know. I think about almost like the church too. It's like you're giving to that cause, but do you really know where that money's going? You're kind of trusting it. Yeah. You're, you're kind of trusting it. And yeah, I mean, your heart's in the right place, so that's good. And I also think that money should go towards the church because if you are a part of church and you are a part and dedicated to building that community, I think yeah. you should have some ownership. Yeah. You should have some stewardship. I think we're called to be stewards of this earth. And part of being invested in a church is like you can go on a Sunday or you could be the church. I think part of being the church is trying to bring it up, trying to make it better in whatever way that is. And the thing is, just I was kind of like smiling at you because when we were referring to Luke, I, I was looking at, I was like, all right, I'm going to bring the verse and see what exactly what it says because it's it's kind of brought up. And I just want to read it. it was, it's Luke 11:42, and it says, but whoa, uh, if you care, it's NASB. Uh, but woe to you Pharisees. I don't like it, but I'm I know people kidding. do. I'm just kidding. Uh, for you pay the tithe of mint and rue in every garden of herb, yet disregard justice and the love of God. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. And for me, when I read that, um, maybe my hermeneutics isn't the best, but I think I sit is I read it as, yeah, like that's good. But the more important thing is you're you're paying attention to the love and justice of God. He's basically saying, you're you're ne- yeah, you are basically neglecting justice to be legalistic and to pay that tithe. Correct. So he's like, yeah, cool, but what's more important here? I don't really know if I take it as that's a verse that where Jesus is saying, yeah, tithe, you should tithe. It's more so, that's good, but what about this? So yeah, it's interesting. It's it's just interesting. So I don't know. I'm on the, if you don't want to tithe, I think that you're all right. I think you should, but I think at the end of the day, like I said, be a steward, give back to your church, and um, I think well, there's a greater blessing too if you do tithe. I think there's definitely something that Jesus and God does in your heart. I think the problem was that it kind of goes along with what we're talking about is that the Pharisees, their faith was written out for them, right? Mm-hmm, right. It was, this is how you do this. This is how you do this. This is how this, and this is this. You follow all of these. You're good. Straight to heaven. There's your ticket to heaven if you follow all of these right. things. What he was trying to say was, you're essentially just doing this because you feel like you should do it, Right. And right now what we're trying to talk about is the heart of generosity. The heart of generosity is not an obligation because I feel like I should. The heart of generosity is I'm doing this because someone's in need. I'm doing this because someone's in pain. I'm doing this. And in my opinion, generosity comes in the forms of like money, time, resources, all of those things. And it's like the heart of generosity sees those things as something that I can help with instead of something I have to do, you know? Mm -hmm. So the original question was uh, about why it's so hard to talk about money or why people have this thing that the church is all about money. And I think maybe it's just been one of those things where, like you said, they don't know where it's going. They don't know exactly what happens after the, you know, thing drops on the plate. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. And we're in the most consumer thing, like a nation in the world. It feels like where 
we look on the turn on TV and it's like, oh, they're just trying to sell me something. They just want my money. Oh, they just want this. They we better be this. getting something for what we're giving. The church must not be any different, you know? But we give them our money when we want something, don't we? <laughs> but what are but what is the church giving us? I think that's where some people are. What are they giving us? Well, so that's, if you call some a church your home church, I feel like you should be tithing to them. That shouldn't be a blind move. But what about know? the non-believer? Somebody that's, or maybe that's somebody that's kind of a baby in their faith. They're well, like... But- what am I getting out of this? What's in it for me? I would say, if I'm if I'm being honest, I would say, if you're a new believer, I would say, don't worry about the tithe right now. Get your feet wet. Meet yeah, people. And- mm-hmm. Meet people. Uh, be encouraged by people. Get around community. We'll we'll get there. You know, we'll get to those places. But I think people think, I dude, I saw this on uh, social media the other day. Somebody that talked, they're talking about churches, and this guy wrote, my church is so expensive. I feel like I have to give, and when I don't have money to give, I just don't go because I feel like I, the people look at me funny mm. when I don't put like money in the bucket or on the plate or whatever. I've never experienced that, Mm-mm. and there's been plenty of Sundays where I didn't give anything, and I just like my heart like hurt was like, oh, dude, please tell me that's not gonna be your make or break, you know? Yeah. Because I don't think that's what's real. I don't think that's what's true about Jesus or about the American church, about church in general. I don't think that's true, and I would hate for someone to be completely pushed away. Because of that, you know? I feel like a lot of people will make up any excuse to not That's go true. into a church, though, when really it has to do with you and growing your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. It's usually a matter of the heart. <laughs> Check your heart. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just what you guys t- are talking about. I'm just going to reiterate it, but it is, I do 100% believe it's a command by God to tithe, and, but then also on the churches and especially the day and age that we're listening to, or we're living in, um, it's important that you're honest and transparent with those things, you know, because information is given to us at will all the time everywhere. So when inf- information is not given, it automatically is suspect, you know, it automatically is like, wait, why can't that be shared with me? You know, because we get information everywhere else. Mm-hmm. But when something's, even if it's not for a bad reason, is like being withheld, it's like, what's going on here? Yeah. You know, like what's going on? And then one thing too that I had a, a thought of is it's just this. I think it's funny. It might not be funny. And I know a lot of people struggle with this, but um, we have so many compartments in our life that we're just like, like in relationships or maybe it's lust or greed or um, lying or and other good things in our in our life that are just maybe we're somebody who really loves to support people. Maybe we're somebody who really loves to lead. Um, we're, we have all these compartments in our lives. And um, a lot of prayers that I hear from people are like, God, come fill my life. Come to, um, be a part of everything in me. Like everything that I am, God, like I want your will to be done. I want you uh, to be this person, you know. But then when it comes to money, it's always like this this huge like if God said today, honestly, came here to the church, he's like, hey, give me 40% of your money right now. If he just came down straight up in person, a lot of people would be like, what are you talking about, bro? Like, hold on here. Yeah. Hold on here right now. Obviously, God's not doing that. I'm being over-exaggerating, and he he's not going to do that. But um, we want him to be Lord over our lives. But when it comes to this compartment of our life's money, it's like, hold on now. Like, let's take a step back. Like, let's, let me... Let me check something like next month. I'll be cool. Mm-hmm. Next month, it's like, oh, I'll save some more money right now. And really, that speaks more to what a heart is saying than if um, 
you were to be like, yeah, I'll give whatever, no problem. But it speaks more to like, okay, obviously there's a reason why you feel the need that you need mm-hmm. to hold on to this mm-hmm. so tightly, you know? And it's just funny because I think a lot of Christians in and pastors and everybody, we all pray, God, Lord over my life, Lord over my life, money, like, oh, hold on now. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. even me, it's like um, growing up, it's, and I'm sure many people, I just use lust because that's something that I've dealt with my whole entire life. And it's like, God, take over that part of my life. Everything, like, God, fill me up with who you are. And then, like I said, he He knocks down that wall. He knocks down this other wall. He's killing it. I'm like, yeah, God, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And then he's like, oh, like, I want you to start being generous, though, and give to God's what is his. It's like, hold on. Like, hold on. Wait a minute here. Like, let's talk about this for a little bit. You know, it's like, and God's like, what you, you were all about me when I was like tearing down these walls and handling mm-hmm. business. But now that I'm here, you're not. And so that's just a thought that I have. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's an interesting thing to think about. It all comes down, I think, from God's point of view to your willingness. Yeah. And him having access to every compartment, like you said. Are you willing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I want to read like the original, like the original text of that Luke verse. Because in NLT, it's it says like, yes, tithe, but. That's why I was kind of, while we were talking, I kind of went through different versions and I was like NASB, ESV, some mm-hmm. a little bit more like quote unquote archaic. <laughs> KJV. I think, yeah. mm. I think with what you're saying is, I think you need to, if you're a Christian, differentiate, differentiate your will versus God's will. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's like, yeah, we know that us to you know we don't want to lust we don't there's things we want to overcome in our life there's things right those which is god's will but a lot of it's also our will it's like we i'm over this i'm over this and can't do this anymore i'm tired of it and then god's like okay i'm gonna do this and then god says oh let me get some of your money you know get 10 percent. it's like no, no 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 it's a constant looking at me my will my will i'm over this i'm over this i'm keeping my money it's like no 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 god you said you want my will yeah do you actually want my will <laughs> If you want my will, then you want my will. <laughs> Don't just want me when you you know you're depressed and anxious. You know, yeah. And I, I think know. that's something that comes with just faith over time. Yeah, it's true. In the because like like you talked about earlier too, like a brand new person who just found Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm nobody in their right mind should be like, well, now that you're saved, in order to keep hey, coming here, you need to start giving some money. Up. You, wanna you know, that's send so, us your routing number. Yeah, that is so wrong. It's not like those cards when you're a new believer or whatever. Yeah. It's like routing number, name. No. <laughs> like that's, God's just no. happy to have you here. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's all there is to it. When yeah. you're saying that Jesus just like, he's just like, yeah, let's, let me let me get a little bit of money. I just, for some reason, it's so stupid. I just thought of Jesus be like, hey, man, let me hold a dollar real quick. Like, what? <laughs> hey, let me hold a dollar. It's like, come on, man. Just get a dollar. No, 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 no. I don't have cash. Wait, what's that from? That's from something. It's a, I think it's a meme. It was like, come on, man. Let me get a dollar, man. It's like this little kid. Yes. Uh, okay. That's, I knew I heard it before. Okay. Uh, sick joke. Is. Me neither. I'm just like. Check yeah, it out. I'll find it on TikTok. <laughs> I'm like, okay, cool. TikTok's banned. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. Any closing thoughts about the money stuff? It all comes down to just an issue of the heart. Like It's said. always a heart. It's yeah. even in, shoot. 
oh, Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool. Like the guy comes, he's Jesus sharing all this good stuff. And then the guy comes like, Jesus, make sure I get my right inheritance from whatever. And it's like, it's so out of context. Like this dude was not paying attention to anything. Point. Yeah, yeah. Anything Jesus was saying, cause he was worried about his money, mm-hmm. you know? And I think there's a lot to be said right there. And, and Jesus tells the parable of the rich fool, you know? Um, and, and he says this because he understands that in the guy's life, his greed's going to overpower anything. You know, his greed's going to be more detrimental to anything else going on in his life. And I think that, like right, you said right now, you missed the point. And I think that is really what it is. It's a heart thing. And if you're so worried about um, your money and your finances and you holding on to it, I think you're going to miss a lot of points that God's trying to make within your life. You know? Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. I was going to say, you know how many, like, I think (laughs) this is kind of a wild thought, but like, Hmm. I just think about all like the gnarly, like criminals that are willing to do just like anything for money and for like, you know what I mean? The idea of robbing a bank terrifies me. (laughs) Absolutely terrifies me. Have you thought through that one? Yes, I have. Really? You ever watched The Town? No. Yes. I feel like you're just good. Robbing a bank, you got to work on that. You got to get up to there. You got to start off with blueprints. It gives me anxiety. I'm not like planning i'm not gonna be I'm, i haven't been sitting start, here you could never rob a bank start off breaking into some cars run first no and i'm saying that's an easy one in my own life how much anxiety it gives me and fear of just thinking about it like the people who commit to it, it's like yes they are committed that's crazy but think about me. how much they just want money mm-hmm. that they're willing to put it all on the line terrifying and that's their life though that's like, their life usually people they don't have a job people don't that. you know what rob I mean? a bank they rob banks yeah there's usually more and more and more like there's strings of them i remember one i was reading up on um was one that happened in uh, the city of chino and the guy that robbed that bank of america robbed like 17 other banks prior Dang. and it was bad because they ended up getting into like a shootout and stuff like that but yeah he, he he's like a career criminal like yeah. that's what he does he's like yep he doesn't go to work my name is john smith and uh, i rob banks that's Dang. awesome. I'm but it's all for like the love of money, money and too. Like the greed, you know? How much money did he get? <laughs> Can I get some crazy things? slides? <laughs> Are we talking about churches again? Sorry. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm going to roll up a church of Gucci slides. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, we'll move on because we're talking about money, sex, and faith. And I think sex is also another, another topic that's been very, um, I guess... Sex used to be something that was like honored, you know, and something that was like, this is important. But now it's just this watered down thing that you kind of just throw at the the end of a marriage or at the beginning of a marriage or before marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not really a sacred thing anymore. And even saying that, I'm sure many people could hear that and be like, oh, this dude's living in 1850, you know, (laughs) because I think sex is still a sacred thing. And so there's this idea of sleeping around and sex and just casual sex you know and so i want to talk about that and i guess the importance of why i believe and i'm sure you guys believe the same thing but that's not super healthy for your life you know so what do you guys think about that i think as a christian um this this topic always kind of like sucks (laughs) like no matter what and it's like it's that one too where i don't know if if you guys had this experience but when you're like you know, when you first like red, <laughs> because it, it, like I said, it's, it's that one thing where it's like, ah, it, it's that one experience. I just remember when like, 
I got a little bit older, you know, I was in my, my teens and I started messing up and doing some dumb stuff. And this is not just, I, I'm taking this as the broad topic of sex. This is not just intercourse with another person. This is mess around in all terms. And even, you know, as, especially as a guy, something I've always struggled with would be pornography. It's like something I remember what I'd hear a pastor preach about sex or lust. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I feel terrible. Like I just felt like I wanted to throw up. Like all eyes were on me. I, I felt burning. I was like, dude, am I okay? Like, is it hot burning. in here? Like I thought like, dude, Jesus is coming to just like get coming me right now. Yeah, like for real. Dang, dude. Um, but it's just tough because I, it's from somebody that hasn't done things the right way and is desperately trying to do things the right way for, you know, for a while now. Um, it's hard. And yeah, living in, living in sin and, it sucks, but no matter what you're doing, if you're a Christian and you love the Lord and you commit to his commandments, if you are, if you are doing something you shouldn't be doing, if you're doing acts with your significant other or with random people you met on the internet that you wouldn't be doing in front of your mom and dad, you got to stop. It's, it's detrimental for your heart. Well, I mean, we're married, but we're not going to do that in front of my parents. I, I, I'm speaking more to the <laughs> I'm speaking more to the single crowd. Where yeah, like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, yeah, if obviously if you're married and you're a Christian, you know, God bless you. You know, you're good. But especially as a single person, um, it sucks. And and I think as a guy, it's like it, it's rough. But I I know what the right thing to do is, and it's like that's why in my life, like I could say I'm honestly trying my stinking best to live purely but it's uh, it's hard yeah. it's not easy mm -hmm. well i think just the idea of casual sex a lot of people are like oh whatever just like having fun i'm doing what I'm doing my thing you know and there's like actual things in your brain that go off oh yeah you want to hear something wild go ahead oh sorry you're in the middle no, of the point go ahead. no go, go ahead. you're gonna forget I won't. i'm not gonna forget i promise okay let's talk about that let me add some to that. <laughs> no, uh, did you know that they started selling blue lights that you can put in your rooms that like people can put in their bedroom? It's a blue light. And what it does is people have erectile dysfunction and it's because their brain has associated that with the blue light from watching porn. And so you can now get blue lights to put in your room to help you with your erectile dysfunction to stimulate as if you were watching, watching it on your a phone. TV screen or something. That's so crazy. Isn't that insane? That's that's where we've gotten. That, we're, that we've gotten so far to where we're trying to remedy the situation by adding lights to your room. We are so Instead sick. Instead of saying, no, this is actually a problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is a problem you have. Let me not enable it by giving you a way out with some lights. <laughs> Good Lord. Wow, dude. Isn't that insane? That makes me sad. Yeah. Well, in... Um, so Fight the New Drug is this um, organization that fights against um, pornography. And what's cool right now during this time is there's a lot of people ho finally hopping on that train. Oh, yeah. yeah. Finally, I've noticed that. Yeah, finally realizing, oh, man, these porn sites are awful. These porn sites are terrible. They're fueling the sex yes. trafficking yes. industry. Yes, yes. And that's something that's super cool that's happening right now. That's like a plus in the world that's happening. But they explain it and they talk about how... Um, there's like these neural pathways that get um, made whenever that dopamine release or whatever is happening. You create these pathways and mm -hmm. like you said, you associate certain things with whatever. And the more you do it, the more your brain's like at first is just saying, let's remember this. Like, let's remember this because that's what get us this high again, you know, but doing it over and over, you want more and more and more. And in the porn industry, it's like more hardcore and more crazy and more as things go on. Right. 
And so well, the, the good thing about that is that the neuroplasticity works both ways. So um, the more time you spend away from it, the, the more those pathways that are created are, that are so wide now can begin to shrink down. And shrink. They can heal. Yes. Because that's damage is what that yeah. is. Yeah. And the brain is um, beautiful. But what you're talking about, they talk about it as well. It's called like this flow state where um, it can happen in many different things. In a conversation with a friend or when you're so into... Um, a movie or a moment, whatever it is, like your brain's just in this extreme focused, like flow state they call. And that's what happens when you watch porn. And that goes alongside, alongside with that blue light thing. I'm sure where it's like, you need, they need to somehow figure out a way to get them to this extreme, extreme high in order for their body to function just how it should. It's like those people that just like those like adrenaline junkies that just like, They've done everything they can do to try to get adrenaline. So now they're jumping out of planes with no parachutes. Like, uh, what's that dude's name? Travis Pastrana? Yeah. I feel like watching that show was like that, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, I just need, now it's more, I need more, I need more. Mm-hmm. They're addicted to it. I forget who it was. This is kind of off topic, but not really, but a little bit. I forget who it was. It was a, like a famous, one of those famous murderers, like serial killers. I don't remember which one. He said that. Everything that he started, like, everything that happened, it all started because of watching pornography. This was his quote. I can't remember. I wish I could mm. to give this some validity, but. Well, that's, if you look into a lot of serial killers, a lot of them have porn addictions because it's this yeah. extreme high sense of just dopamine and like more and more and more. And like you, you have to keep chasing up, it. Yes. Yeah, so you have to keep chasing yeah. it until it becomes real in your life. Right. That twisted fantasy. Yeah. But what I was going to say back to on topic is it's the same in because you the question was what was the original question? This is actually answer for it. <laughs> We've diverted quite I know. a bit. But um it's what the idea of casual sex, like what's good, like yeah. why is that g- good or not good, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's the same type of deal. It's like when you the Bible would when it talked about like hus or um the Bible says have eyes only for your spouse, only for one woman have eyes only for one man the idea is that when that man was working in the field or if he was out at war or he was battling Mm -hmm. and he became like you know like he was ready to go you know his eyes only would have seen his wife the only image in his brain he could ever come to is his wife not brad pitt not leonardo dicaprio like none of these (laughs) it was just his wife it was just and for her it was just her husband Uh right so that was that's all they knew. Mm-hmm. And so there there was no, you know, there's no other anything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really pure and good thing to do. And our society is so sexualized and so like over the top with, you know, Instagram and everything. I mean, it's thrown at you on TV, Instagram, movies, television. From a young age too. Very young mm-hmm. age. I like, I, I feel like not, I don't feel bad, but I'm like, I look at my little brother and sister and I'm like, man, like. I hope, and I I talk about with this with my brother. Like I always tell him, like, hey, like I I haven't done things right. Like I and I always try to mentor him in the right way because I'm like, dude, don't don't go down this path because you know he's at that age. He's 14. Where I'm like, that's I remember it started around that time. I remember like just seeing stuff, you know, seeing what when I was that age, like those Carl's Jr. commercials. I was like, oh my gosh, like what am I seeing? (laughs) Remember though, like Carl's Jr. like was nasty. Shame on you, Carl's. That's disgusting. Freaking Carl. Yeah, but just <laughs> seeing that kind of stuff, like it, it is it's such a sad topic. And I think I think 
I don't think the church talks about it enough, especially with young men. And I, I'm not going to say that women don't struggle with this, but I think sig- at a significantly higher rate, young men in the church, especially being say, hey, like, you know, honor the Lord, don't do anything with sex and don't think about a woman. Um, and and then, then they go to revert to porn and it's like this sick, like, thing that they have to keep hidden yeah. all the time. I want to hear from your perspective, like a woman's perspective. Yes. Well, in regards to like why not to sleep around besides that we're not supposed to have sex before marriage, I think that um, like the way the way you are, if you are sleeping around or if you're having sex with your partner, not married yet, just understanding that that is going to, um, it's going to, what's the word? It's going to just have a lot to do or how. Like effect? Yes, it's going to affect your marriage. Like whether you think it's not or it is, it definitely is. Because when you're having sex with random people or with your significant other, even though it might feel okay because it's with your significant other and you guys are going to get married or whatever, just know that it's going to affect your uh, your marriage because that intimacy wasn't meant um, for outside of marriage. So mm-hmm. you're lacking intimacy that you could have had if you weren't having sex, if that makes sense. At, at least in in my world that I feel like that happened because of having sex before marriage. Um, it just, you, yeah, it's, you steal away what was meant for a specific time. You know, it's like, uh, (laughs) how do I, I don't know how to, I don't know. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. It's you're stealing away, you know, what was meant to be really awesome and is really intentional. You know, it's, I think it's a very intentional thing. It's like there was a time where where you were supposed to be building other ways of intimacy that you replaced with sex. So now in your marriage, you're going to have to learn that together when you should have been when you should have learned that while you were dating. And something that was meant for marriage you didn't save. So now in your marriage you have a little bit more to deal with than you should have. Just makes it a little bit more difficult. Yeah, in um I mean, you talk to any marriage counselor and they'll, they could tell you right off the bat, it's like, oh, these guys' relationship started based on just their sexual chemistry because years down the line, it becomes repetitive and it's just like, um, like we're growing apart. We're just growing apart. You know what I mean? And I've had a counselor tell me it's so obvious to see that these people aren't even friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not even yeah. like. They're not even best friends. And like you said, to put like a face to it or a name to it, it's like you have to build a friendship. Yeah. Like become a best friend with this person to where it's like sex or no sex. That's your person. Mm -hmm. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because and I I like to this is like a super extreme that I'm going to say. But when you get older, stuff ain't going to be working properly. You know what I mean? True. (laughs) And so. Well, not me. But if for your partner that happens to be or and it doesn't happen for you or vice versa, should you just be like. Well, that was it. That was it. So I got to find right. somebody else. It's like, call no. you an Uber. Yeah, because you built that relationship with somebody. <laughs> yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think that's important. And in trying to fix marriages and keep them together, the being committed to somebody and who their relationship is, 
uh, and who they mean to you is more important than it's like, hey, what pleasure, sexual pleasure can I get from them? You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And important. you're right. It is what can I get from them? Mm-hmm. Because that's what lust is. So it's like you might think like, yeah, but I want to have sex with them because I love them so much. Oh. <laughs> well, if you really cared about them, you would think about their future marriage or uh-huh. if you're a Christian with their relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And really, you don't care about them that much. And you're just wanting to fill that what you want your lust so Mm -hmm. it's really a selfish thing yeah and so in casual sex sorry um in just having sex what's released is oxytocin and vasopressin (laughs) Um, sounds right but it's (laughs) it's, so it's two neurochemicals that are extremely linked to um what is it? Oh, the attachment system in mm-hmm. our brain, like mm-hmm. what makes us attached to something. Mm-hmm. So those two chemicals are released during sex. And so when you think of the idea like, oh yeah, casual sex is cool and um, whatever, like what you're doing is actually putting yourself in a place to become highly attached to this person. And this isn't like Christianese. This is like, oh, this is what goes on in our brains. Yeah, yeah it's, you know? it's real. This is science. And it, it's like, that's highly linked with... Um, that attachment portion of your brain. So when you're doing this, um, you may not realize it, but you may be highly attached to that person after and this high heightened sense of what you think is love, right. correct? Right. And that person could feel absolutely nothing yeah. towards you. But you built the soul tie. Yeah. That's Ooh. what they call it in like yep. the Christian lingo. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually listening to a stream about that. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a scientist in any fashion, but None of us I believe I I, at one point I did read that it's either one of those chemicals or maybe an additional chemical. Um, and this is not to try to, you know, divide us in any sort of way, but there's a either an additional chemical or a chemical that the man lacked that the woman produced during intercourse. I don't know. I want to say that's something I had read at one point and it wasn't from like some weird subreddit. It was from, like, <laughs> it's from like one of these, like, yeah. like fight the new drug or some other sort of website like that. Yeah. It, was, it was something about attachment. I don't know enough about that to, I don't know. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. But I did have a question, and I don't know how how you guys are going to take it. <laughs> okay. But So I, I, I feel like I'm talking a lot from my own personal, personal perspective, personal perspective. Personal. Um, as, a, as a single man. But I want to know how has this topic affected you guys as a married couple and then you as somebody who's engaged and soon to be married. How has this kind of stuff affected you? As far as like your what? relationship. Are you asking about my sex life? I would say exactly what I was saying earlier on how like when I was saying it can affect your marriage, like in like your intimacy and having to like learn things that you probably should have learned while you were dating. I Mm -hmm. feel like that's what a big thing that happened to us is like our first year of marriage was really hard. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were having sex before marriage um, and like really struggling with it. Not just like, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we had to like, we had to like get to know each other that whole year. I mean, I think we knew each other, but there was, uh, there was just more learning to have been done, but we replaced it with having sex. And I think that first year of marriage was such a struggle because we had to learn about each other so much. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, that's. 
I think that she's spot on. I think that's right. Um, and I, I think I just want to re- reiterate that because it is really important. Like you can save yourself a lot of time, stress, and anxiety by like doing the, 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 what should I say? Laying the groundwork and the foundation of what a relationship was meant to be. You can save yourself so much. It's like when it's like this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's it's like this. It's like, you know, when you keep putting off cleaning your room, cleaning your room. And then finally you're just like so intimidated to even go in your room and start cleaning it because it's gotten so bad. When really, if you would have just picked up like the shirt here and there, it would have been fine. Yes. It's like every <laughs> single day. Of yeah. Life. Okay. So it's like that. It's like, as long as you like that foundation of just keeping it up to t- like up to date, like understanding your relationship, each other, emotions, uh, like all of those things. Like sex, in my opinion, is like it's the icing on an already baked cake. You know what I mean? But the cake has to be baked first, and it has to cool. You know, it has to have all that, and then you can put the icing on it. And that's just—it's just the truth. I mean, let's, let's let's talk to the non-married Christian male who's just like at all times ready to go. Sex is what twenty percent of a relationship of a marriage. Fifteen percent of it. I don't know, dude. Because if you break down this, what is probably going to be funny. But if you break down the actual time you spend having sex throughout a week, I'm sure it's probably 3%. Three, okay. I would, yeah. Waking of a whole, however long. Yeah. Let's give it the benefit is. of the doubt. Let's say it's 6 to 8%. That's giving it the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Like, big, like that's... Uh, and a lot of people, and I think <laughs> even Rain and I, it's like what well, we built on 6 to 8%, and then we were hit in the face with 94% of what is actually I, necessary for a marriage. I feel like all you think about too when you're dating is like, oh my gosh, we're going to just have sex all the time. When you get married, it's just going to be, That's oh all my It's going to be so good. And and then it's like you get married, you're like, oh, we have to like hang out Wait, like, oh, all dude, the time. I'm just actually exhausted. Yeah, me too. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. Married. Oh, wow. It's opened my eyes. And I'm, saying that to, so I'm also saying that with the understanding that we have a pretty dope sex life. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. Uh, that's why I really want to pose question. I didn't want. I am. I, didn't want ha- I am pregnant. So she's pregnant. I'm Praise being God. honest though, because people be need to be, multiply. People need a realistic idea of what this is about and why it's important to be building correctly. You know, that's why. I mean, that's that's just figure it out now, because you will figure it out at some point, and that could be the correlation with the divorce rates right now. But mm. yeah, and you could skip that, that whole first year of horribleness. Yeah. Getting to know your uh, partner and significant other is much cheaper and less um, less uh, work than divorce, I should mm. say. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that all makes sense. Because oh, the same yeah. thing, I don't know, me and Destiny are engaged. The never-ending mm-hmm. engagement. That would be a, a book. That would be a cool like movie. The never-ending story. It's the never-ending engagement. Um, it's like you're always sparks. dating each other. <laughs> Every day is a date with but your you partner. But you can't have sex. <laughs> just like stay. you guys think it's funny, but I'm just here like no, this no, sucks. I know, <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I like to joke about. I it I pray too. for you. Uh, no, everything you guys say, I agree with 100. percent Because the same thing in Des- me and Destiny have been dating for like six years, and for the first couple of years we were having sex, and believe me, we've had to do a lot of growing. And I've, I as a as my side of things. Cause I don't know exactly how a woman gets, but at my side of things, I become numb, you know? Mm. Um, and that stimulation like gets you excited and gets you going. And then after that, you're like, okay, I'm done. 
like I'm good. And so I've built up these walls over the years, um, even prior to dating Destiny. And it's it's created this wall in front of me to where it's like, you're not going to access my actual emotions that I have outside of like that physical intimacy, you know? And so, yeah. that, like I said, the first couple of years we were having sex and then we're just like, we're done with this. Like, this is so annoying because I, I didn't feel good. She didn't feel good. She, mm-hmm. We knew it, we shouldn't be doing this. And um, so the past, what is for whatever, like we, ha- we haven't been having sex and I've had to do a lot of learning and mm-hmm. she's had to do a lot of learning. But now that we've gone years that way, it's like we know that this is the person who I want to be with for sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. Exactly what you're talking about. I think we would have ran into that same problem had we not like stopped, you know, mm-hmm. we would have ran into like, I don't even know who you are really, you know, and me and Destiny have really had to learn who we are and we're seeing the fruits of that in our life. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I've cause part of who I am, it's, I've always felt a calling from God in my own life yet my own lusts and desires would get in the way of it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and now it feels great to be able to be walking in my calling and knowing I'm in right standing with God, you know, and that is the greatest feeling in the entire world, you know? And I know when I fail, when I fall, when I do stuff like that, like, um, he's not going to shun me. He's not going to be like, well, here, there it is. You know, it's a good point to make though. Yeah. And, um, I know that. So it's not like out of this fear that, Oh, if I mess up, God's going to smite me. No, it's out of this respect and knowing that it's like, I respect myself. I respect destiny. And more Mm -hmm. importantly, I respect God, you know? Yeah. And we're like, we're seeing the fruits of that in our relationship and it's a beautiful thing, you know? So um, if you're having sex out there right now and you're listening and you're in a relationship, believe me, it can be done to stop. Mm -hmm. And um, I've said this before. I think when I spoke to Av Youth, I was like, if you're, these are just high schoolers, but this is, I'll say this to any adult, anybody, uh, if you're having sex in your relationship right now, don't have sex for one month and let's really see like what your relationship is based on. Because if you cut that little part out of the whole relationship and you can't stand each other, yep. you'd probably be like, you know what? Yeah. One, it shows you that sex isn't everything. And two, they're not the person for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, good. Yeah, I think that's real. That's very real and important. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I think, Jerry, you think you're right. I don't think it gets talked about enough. Like with how important that really is and like divorces and uh you know homes that are you know single parent homes and all of these things that are like i think with proper foundation can really be fixed and can be helped you know and i I think it's just like i said it's kind of a taboo thing i don't think people don't like to talk about but yeah it's it's just really weird and I, i like without going too much into my own personal life my own testimony is like porn is something i like struggled deeply with for the longest time and you know um god's done a work i'm doing a lot better but it's it's still like that that ache it's still like that scar anytime something gets brought up it's still like ah that still kind of hurts because Mm -hmm. i wish i had somebody talk to me about porn when i was 16 because Mm -hmm. it that's where it started man it started this like cycle of of sort of abuse on myself and I started getting hurt from a very young age and it was only happening to myself. And I thought it was normal. I thought it was normal, especially, you know, when you start doing that or, you know, you get your first boyfriend or girlfriend and you start messing around. You're like, oh my gosh, like you get all those butterflies. But yeah, like one messing around before you're married, that sucks. It, it's hurt me a lot. Um, but then especially porn, that's been something that 
that's it's really kind of jacked me up and I've had to repair a lot of prayer counseling a lot of stuff because it, it it's hard it's just something you struggle with it's almost something like you got to get counseling for because it's it's like a drug mm-hmm. it's something you keep using and then eventually when the high wears off it's like you start looking yourself in the mirror and like what have I become this is not usually me yeah I like and I like and I hate that you said like it's abuse because it really is. It's like self-abuse, you know? It's a sin you do against yourself. Yeah, it's exactly right. It's a sin you do against yourself. And it, again, just kind of sets you up for failure if it's not like handled. You know, if you don't get a hold of that thing, I mean, it could, I think all of us know people have, have stories like that are constant. It's like, cannot get a handle or a grip on this thing. And it's, that's terrifying. And imagine being like a, in a relationship, like with a woman or married and like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so important. It's it's abuse. It's an addiction and it's abuse. On top of that, I mm-hmm. want to read this. <clears throat> it's this chemical, I guess, in a cocktail of chemicals that get released when you... Because I, I just like the science behind this stuff. I'm yeah. Sorry. yeah. It's called Delta Foss B. And it is important for learning any kind of new skills, but it can also lead to addictive compulsive behaviors, especially in adolescence. Delta mm-hmm. Foss B is referred to as the molecular switch for addiction. Because if it builds up enough in the brain, it switches on genes that create long-term cravings, driving the user back for more. And once it has been released, Delta Foss B, this is the dangerous part, sticks around for uh, months or weeks, which is why porn consumers may feel strong cravings for porn long after they've stopped the habit. Mm. And if that doesn't just like kind of punch you in the gut it's like oh my gosh yeah. it's like this isn't even bible if you don't believe in the bible this <laughs> yeah. is like real science yeah so that's crazy science they say it takes 21 days to form a new habit is what they say or to get rid of an old one mm-hmm. i feel like and you said stop having sex for a month i feel like anybody out there should also take that challenge of like no porn for a month no porn no sex for a month see how you feel see where you're at um but i think giving it like giving people like a like a deadline or a goal or something like that makes it a little bit easier than to just be like stop watching porn you know like give yourself a month and reevaluate see where you're at and, and see how long you can last work your way up because as somebody who's kind of gone through that there's actually actually a big part of what helped me kind of quit was it was a subreddit it was actually it was it's a christian subreddit but um it was all about abstaining from porn but also from um, any sort of you know masturbation and stuff like that yeah. as well so yeah see how long because it it, it takes a process and i'm i'm not saying this to try to make it a weird topic but it's for i generally care about this these people that kind of go through this stuff because it's affected me so deeply so if if you struggle with it and it's something that is really hurting you um take your time and just remember like you got to give yourself grace because it it is hard and it's something that you're going to keep messing up on for a while but get get to that that one week mark that two week and then that 30 day and once you get there um, i promise you you're gonna start seeing some changes in your life not just emotionally, but mentally, um, spiritually was a really big thing for me too, but continue to work on it. It's going to be this thing that if you've dealt with in the past, you're going to have to continue to keep working on it all the time. Yeah. And now you know that there's a chemical that will make you crave it even months after you've done it. So don't feel terrible if you get that craving or something. It's It's a brain thing too. Yeah. And I feel like when you're able to identify things, cause Jared, correct me if I'm wrong, but say you have the craving 
you probably even feel bad for having that. It's like, oh my gosh, why do I want this? You know? Mm-hmm. And if you just know, it's like, oh, there's actual chemical that even... You're fighting lit- against yourself. Yeah, yeah, that lingers around in your brain. Like, just if you know that, you're like, okay, I know why that's happening. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person or anything. Like, you're cool. It's a battle yeah. that that you need to give yourself grace on because I'm somebody that I, I give grace to a lot of other people, but I don't give it to myself. So you need to be able to have grace. Don't abuse the grace, but definitely be able to say, hey, I there's grace in this. Yeah, I think it's important to say to people that God just loves the fact that you're fighting for it, Amen. that you're fighting for yourself and that you're fighting for it to do what he has called us to do. God loves that and he doesn't hate when you fail. He loves that you're fighting and that when you fail, you're going to get up and keep fighting. And so I think people need to understand that God is not against you in trying to abstain from sex with your significant other or he's not against you in, if you fail. He's not... He's on your team and he's for you and he's fighting for you. Amen. And when you fail, get back up, keep going. I just want to quickly recommend something for anybody. Um, you, someone who struggles with pornography, there's this thing, Covenant Eyes. Mm-hmm. And basically what it does is you can give it to a friend who essentially will get an email however often they choose. And it'll give you all like their device stuff. And it's supposed to be an accountability thing. Um, that's uh, really helpful. I mean, I have a few. Jake's my mentor on that. I have it on my what, uh, yeah. devices. Yeah, so I have a few people that I get their emails on like their phones that they give me their like history. Or not, really, not even really history, only if things get flagged. Yeah, I think if they... I don't really know. I, I think remember seeing <laughs> the email that you got. I just know that I cannot look up anything. <laughs> you can't look at anything. And like literally, you could type it in, nothing happens. It's and great. if anything were to come up, then I would get it on my end. And that's an immediate phone call of like, hey, what's going on? Are you, you good? All I'm saying is... There is, comes a point in all these things where, yeah, you really have to kind of wage war against this and really fight back and not just, you know, stand idly by. That's all. Cool. I think that's been a good conversation. It's been a really fun one. Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. This was, <laughs> yeah. a, this was a good one. Yeah, this is a very good one. But we love you guys. Today, we've had our usual friends, our usual suspects on the show. Uh, Jake Tracy. Yup. We've got Raina. Bye, everybody. And we've had Jared. <laughs> I love Have you guys. A great week. And my name is Dylan Del Campo. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure to check us out on YouTube. Check us out on or subscribe to whatever we got going on on Spotify, on iTunes, all that good stuff. But we love you guys. Thanks for checking us out. This has been the Still Loading Podcast. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Later. <laughs>